The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, the executive minister, senior assistant minister, and the director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. So I finally made it to chapter five of the book, The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. If you've been following along with this series, you know that I've been teaching this book for a while now, and I'm taking my time because I want to make sure that you get the nuggets out of this book. Again, if you have not purchased the book or, you know, a physical copy or a digital copy and studied along with these podcasts, I strongly suggest that you do so because, again, I'm not going to cover every point and what, you know, God points out to you might not be what the spirit within is revealing to me. It might be something different for you. What I'm trying to do is trigger you to go deeper within yourself, touch base with that spiritual wholeness that resides within you, recognize that you are a powerhouse of spiritual faculties and forces. And as you discover the truth of who you are, you can utilize that truth to make your life better. So, I'm now again in chapter five, which is your impact on others when connected to intention. Again, your impact on others when connected to intention. So I want to start off on page 90 and it's under the section, you receive what you desire for others. Now, let me just start off by saying that the golden rule is taught in many religions and the Christian religion is normally stated as Jesus saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I agree with that statement. I think it's a powerful statement. And I also acknowledge that if you don't know how to treat yourself right, you won't know how to treat me right. So the first thing that we have to learn how to do is love ourselves. We have to learn how to discover our own spiritual wholeness. We have to learn how to follow the guidance of intuition. We have to recognize the presence and power of God and acknowledge that we live, move, and have our being in this very presence, that we are an idea in divine mind, that we are an idea in the mind of God, that we are an individualized expression of the one presence and one power that we call God. And once I understand that wholeness, then from that context, living from that paradigm, From that point of view, I will know how to treat you properly. So he wrote, Dr. Wayne Dyer wrote, if you desire peace for others, 
you will receive it. If you want others to feel loved, you will be the recipient of love. Now, this is important again, because what he's saying is you got to get your mind right about this stuff first. You have to get your mind right. Now, let me ask you, do you think that people tend to be selfish or selfless? And I would say it depends. I think a lot of times people are selfish. In other words, they think about themselves first because that's how we're trained to do things. And when you've been conditioned to do that, and if you're working from a, and I'm just going to say a, a, an emotional level that has not developed, then you make everything about you. And the world has to rotate around you without recognizing that when Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, he wasn't saying that you shouldn't receive. He was saying that as you learn to give, as you learn to show up as love, as you learn to show up as peace, as you learn to show up as the gifts of spirit, then you will receive. Press down, shaking together, and absolutely running over. So it's important for you to acknowledge and recognize that there's another way of doing things that's higher and better. Remember what is stated in Isaiah 55 verses eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. There is always a better way to do something. There's always a better way to do something. Because God in you knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. All right. It goes on to say, if you see only beauty and worthiness in others, you will have the same return to you. You'll only give away what you have in your heart and attract what you are giving away. Now, the key word in this part of the chapter or paragraph is you will only give away what you have in your heart. Now, in the New Thought Movement and in many mystical traditions and metaphysical traditions, the word heart is symbolic of the deeper inner mind that we call the subconscious mind that is the house of the deep-seated inner beliefs. Many times out of unconscious, our emotions, you know, feelings about a thing, our attitudes, our memories. So out of the heart, you express your life out of your deep innermost beliefs, feelings, and attitudes about life. They shape your perspective, even unconsciously. So when he says you can only give what you have in your heart, that means that we have to put in the work consciously to transform the heart. So the heart is open and receptive to the ways of spirit. And then as the heart is filled up with the ways of spirit, then we can express the ways of spirit much more easily because we're not dealing with the internal conflict that sometimes can happen when we want to do things spiritually, but at the same time, we just got our ways that we're stuck in. And part of spiritual growth 
is transformation. I love the way Eric Butterworth stated it. And this is a paraphrase. Any religion that leaves you the same way isn't worth studying. A person should become a part of a religion or a spiritual study because everybody doesn't want to be a part of a religion. But religious and spiritual study, study should help you develop into a better version of you. And if it doesn't, my suggestion is that you should leave it alone. Why? Because I believe that we should be challenged by the higher ideals and ideas of spirit. I believe that we should be drawn up, not just drawn down by the lower impulses of human consciousness, but drawn up in consciousness by the spirit of truth that is everywhere equally present and expresses individually as you and me. So you can only give what's in your heart. So that means it's time to get to work so you can transform your heart. All right. So Wayne Dyer starts to talk about what he calls holy relationships. He says, think of your relationships in terms of holy or unholy. He wrote page 91. Holy relationships facilitate the power of intention at a high energy level for everyone involved. Unholy relationships keeps the energy at the lower, slower levels for all concerned. Now, let me just stop here for a moment. What he's saying is basically this. The people that's in your circle, these relationships that you have, family, friends, co-workers, etc., are either helping you lift up in consciousness or pulling you down. Now, what I noticed in this book is that he didn't say that anyone was neutral. Now, for a person to be neutral, you basically have to not care. You don't have any meaning to your interactions with them normally. But even when we meet strangers, and we have encounters, normally there's some level of energy exchange. And, you know, I was talking with a neighbor earlier today and, you know, in the midst of that exchange, it was very pleasant energetically. And I was like, oh man, that's a nice lady. You know, you know, how you see people, you talk high, whatever, but you never stop and really talk, talk to, you know, the people that live on your block. So, it can happen. You know, you have your people you talk to and the people you wave and say, hi, hi. And you go in your garage and they go in theirs. And so even passing through or past someone, even in a moment, can create an energy exchange. Therefore, when it's a holy relationship, the energy is high. When it's an unholy relationship, the energy tends to pull down. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about holy and unholy people because I believe that everyone has within them the spirit of truth. But as Susan Taylor once wrote, everybody's not healthy enough to have a front row seat in your life. If people are having a hard time discovering their own inner wholeness and they don't know how to treat themselves and others, then it's probably smart 
to limit your exposure to people who are dragging you down in consciousness. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You don't have to go where you don't want to go. You don't have to do what you don't want to do. You don't have to be around anybody you don't want to be around. You don't have to watch what you don't want to watch. That's freedom. Now, as you grow in consciousness, as you grow in consciousness, you start to encounter everyone as a holy relationship. Now, at the early stages, it's, you know, it's a category like, okay, this brings me energy and whatever. But as you start to rise in consciousness, you bring your holy energy, you bring your spiritual consciousness, you bring your awareness of wholeness to every encounter. So even when somebody is tense, angry, frustrated, whatever, it doesn't disturb the calm peace of your soul. It would be similar to uh, a person that is a Navy SEAL. And then you put them on a boat and everybody else is seasick but them because they've been trained not to get seasick. When you get to a certain level of spiritual consciousness, your consciousness is protected and uplifted against lower levels of awareness. Am I saying it is always easy to get there? No, but it takes conscious choice over and over again, over and over again, until you can feel, fill it out and get yourself together the way you need to get yourself together. So one of the things he wrote is this. He said, you will know your own potential for greatness when you start seeing the perfection in all relationships. This is why. And, you know, in the early New Thought circles, especially around unity and UFBL, we used to say Numaskar, which which the more modern version of that would be Namaste. I salute the divinity within you. And we would flip it and into a metaphysical Christian context and say, I behold the Christ in you. I behold the Christ in you. I behold the Christ in you. Matter of fact, when I'm working with people and and they're having some challenges with their own um, mindset, with their own self-esteem, with their own confidence, I just have them look in, in the mirror and say it to themselves. I behold the Christ in you. As a matter of fact, it's a whole poem. I'm not about to read that now, but it's a whole poem. I have them say their name. You know, Joe or Jane, I behold the Christ in you. Say it to yourself. I behold the Christ in you. And you, the light of God, I see. I behold the Christ in you. I can see you whole and free. That's part of the poem. And when you say your name and you affirm that audibly, out loud, let your own ears hear it. You're impacting your own subconscious mind so you can get to the place to where you can, first of all, see your own wholeness. And then it gives you an opportunity to see the wholeness in others, even when people are frustrating their potential at a high level. All right. Let's get back to um, Wayne Dyer. So on page 91, he wrote, one truth that I've recognized during the years of my own growth, one truth that I've recognized during the years of my own growth is that it's impossible to know the perfection, know my perfections, but I'm unable to see and honor the same perfection in others. It's an important point. So it's important to recognize that you have to behold the Christ. You have to behold the presence of God, the presence of wholeness in yourself before you're able to properly see or honor it in someone else. 
he went on it right in an unholy relationship. You see yourself as separate from others. It's the feeling that others are primarily useful to satisfy egos urges and that people are there to help you get what's missing in your life. Stop there again. So when you don't feel as though you're connected, it makes it challenging. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, we used to do all the time at Christ Universal Temple is we would affirm at the beginning of service, I am one with God. I am one with all people. I'm one with all life. I am one with the one. And this was just a group way as a congregation to just remember that I'm one with the person. Not only sitting to my left and right or before or behind me, but I'm one with all people. And I'm one with all life. And more, most importantly, I am one with God because I am the image and likeness of God. My body is the temple of the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit dwells in me as the apostle Paul wrote. That recognition helps the mind shift out of a sense of separation. And that's key, out of a sense of separation. So he wrote, the signs of an unholy relationship are quite clear. People become defensive, fearful, hostile, standoffish, and don't wish to be in your company. Those will be the people that when your phone rings, if you haven't blocked them, when the phone rings, you just don't answer the phone. Or you see them coming and you know, you're like, oh man, here she comes, here he comes. Or you want to go somewhere, and then you then you ask the question, who's over there already? Who's over there? And you find out a certain person is over there, and you're like, oh no, I'm not coming. Because you just don't want to be around them energetically. All right. So we're going to take a, a, a quick pause moment and we will be right back with Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. So as I was speaking on just being in alignment with people vibrationally, it's important to recognize that as you become more aware and sensitive spiritually or spiritually sensitive, I guess would be the proper way of saying it, you will start to notice energetically when you're not vibing. And this gives you an opportunity to bring spiritual consciousness, as I mentioned earlier, at rise in consciousness to where your high spiritual consciousness touch blesses and anoints everything around you, or it gives you an opportunity to follow your intuition. If it says, okay, it's time to get away from this experience or these people. All right. 
So Dyer, Wayne Dyer went on to write, as you change your thought patterns to raise your energy vibrations and reduce the demands of your ego, you will begin developing a reverent or holy relationship with others. So what it's saying is simply this. As John the Baptist said when Jesus showed up, uh, he must increase. I must decrease. Metaphysically, John the Baptist represents the highest level of intellect, illumined intellect. But Jesus symbolizes the spiritual consciousness or the Christ consciousness. So the more we allow the, the human ego, the human personality to decrease, we allow the spirit, the individuality, individuality, the spirit of God in us, the Christ in us, the I am in us to rise up, to guide us. Now, this is taught metaphysically in the book of Genesis. And I did a whole series on this about 10 years ago when I taught the uh, mysteries of creation or something like mysteries of Genesis. I don't remember what it was, but I taught the first in the first year of this podcast. I taught the first chapter of Genesis metaphysically interpreted. I don't remember the title right now because that was 10 years ago. But in the in biblical metaphysics, the sun is a symbol of spiritual understanding and the moon is a symbol of the personal will. Now, one of the things we know about life is this. The moon does not have light. The moon reflects sunlight. And this is an indicator that the human personal will, the ego does not have light of its own. It has to reflect the spiritual light, the spiritual understanding, the spiritual consciousness. So the more we recognize the truth of God in us, the more we recognize our own spiritual identity, the more the ego will decrease and start to reflect, the more the human personality will start to reflect the ways of spirit. We just can't let the human consciousness on its own dictate and determine what we do and how we do it. Spirit Spirit should always lead, never follow. Say that to yourself. Spirit should always lead, never follow. So this is why you have to use your tools. You have to pray. You have to meditate. You have to visualize. You have to vision. Uh, you have to study. You have to contemplate truth. Why? Because you have to discover your own way in which God communicates in you through you as you. In other words, I often tell people, how can you determine the voice of spirit or the communication of spirit, because it's not always a voice, the communication of spirit versus the communication of your own ego or personal will. How do you know when you're following spirit versus your own ego? This is why you have to spend time in your prayer meditation and in silence and your spirituality, because it should be a peace. It should be a wholeness. It should be an understanding. It should be an awareness that accompanies that communication, that guidance that spirit is giving you. I'm more of a download person. I'm sort of like the matrix, you know, plugging in the back of the brain and the stuff comes up, the images, the thoughts, the ideas, it comes. Some people, you know, like, you know, my buddy who passed away last year, uh, the Reverend Marjorie Cook, who was the pastoral care and prayer ministry director and assistant minister of Christ Universal Temple. She would always say, the Holy Spirit told me, I was like, you would hear a voice. She was like, yeah, she hears like, a vo- she would hear a voice in her head that gave her guidance. That's how spirit led her. 
Some people get intuitive hunches. Some people have dreams and visions. You have to know how God in you communicates with you. That's one of the things you have to figure out, because if not, you could end up saying this is spiritual and totally following the ways of the ego. This is what the temptations of Jesus meant. Because in the temptations of Jesus, it says that, you know, Satan, the devil or whatever, took him to the to the, you know, uh, tempted him with three different temptations and used scripture to back up his points. And this is symbolic of the adverse states of consciousness. That's our own personal devil, not the imp with tail and the horns, but the adverse states of consciousness within the soul that believes in a separation from God and believes in doing his own thing. If you are not careful, you'll be following the dictates of that adverse states of consciousness, that low-level thinking, that low-level beliefs, that sense of separation that can drive you into incorrect behavior. Thinking the wrong thing, feeling the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Anyway, moving on. So, Wayne Dyer went on to write page 92. When When you can celebrate differences in others as interesting or enjoyable, you are loosening your identity with the ego. So in other words, one of the things that shows up with spirit is love. And one of the things that shows up with love is tolerance, which means I don't have to agree with what you're doing or how you show up or how you choose to express. I just have tolerance. That's all. Tolerance and kindness and humility that I don't have, I don't know everything and I don't, Know if this is always the best way to handle a thing or not handle a thing or the best way to show up or not show up. It it requires a certain level of humility. Because if you're humble, you can learn. If you think you know it all, you've closed off new knowledge. All right. All right. Back to he gives a bunch of examples of, of different things. So I'm not reading all of this. I'm trying to see where how I want to address this. Okay. Page 94. He wrote, when you eliminate the concept concept of separation from your thoughts and your behaviors, you begin to feel your connection to everything and everyone. Now this is key because the more you feel connected to everyone and everything, the less fear, less fear has a hold on you. In other words, when you feel separated, when you feel vulnerable, when you feel scared, when you're feeling a, a lack or it's going to get you, a sickness is going to get you, somebody's going to abuse you or manipulate you, that allows fear to get a hold of you. But when you recognize your oneness with God and your oneness with everyone and everything, you can then recognize that the universe is here to support my good. The universe is here to support my good. The universe, God, spirit, wants me to live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. God has an intention. And God can't have an intention without it being fulfilled because that would mean that God is not God. Jesus stated it this way. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
which means it's already been given. The question is, is it your good pleasure to receive the kingdom? It's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom of divine ideas, the ideas of life, the ideas of love, the ideas of power, the ideas of wisdom, the ideas of substance, so that I will not lack in anything that I desire. It's the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. And when I'm in alignment with my kingdom of God thinking, my kingdom of God consciousness, my kingdom of God awareness, then all these things will be added unto me. But what do I have to do? I have to seek. Some scriptures say strive. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Or I would say it's righteousness because I don't believe in the gender pronouns for God. I know it's all through the Bible. It's just not my thing. You know, seek first or strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all the stuff that you say you need in your regular life will be added unto you. In other words, God first. Can I put God first? Because when I put God first, then I'm connected to the network or the web of of infinite supply that makes sure that I have what I need whenever I need it. So even if the, as Jesus said, you know, that the rocks have to cry out to, 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 to praise me. That means that the rocks or the birds or the dogs or whatever, and I'm using these metaphorically, of course, whatever the process is that's needed to bring my good to me, to manifest my good to me is already handled. Why? Because I have put God first. I've put the consciousness of wholeness first. I recognize that by grace, I move. I recognize that I'm a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. And therefore, all is well and well indeed. I'm perfectly supplied at all times with everything I need. And then sometimes I have to tell myself that 200 times a day to shake off that old negative thoughts and those negative emotions that I'm perfectly supplied. The Christ in me perfectly supplies all that I need to live a healthy and abundant life. The Christ in me is my divine prosperity. The Christ in me is my divine health. The Christ in me is my divine peace. The Christ in me is my divine order. The Christ in me is my spiritual understanding. The Christ in me is divine wisdom. The Christ in me is my overcoming power. The Christ in me is my all in all. That's the consciousness that I'm talking about. That's the consciousness. Now, I'm going to wrap up for right now. But when I come back next week, we're going to talk about how your energies impact others. And we're going to drill down on these points that Wayne Dyer wrote. And we're going to get into uh, Dr. David Hawkins' um, uh, consciousness vibration test 
In other words, he figured out a method in which he could see how people vibrate at a certain levels of consciousness and how that affects the whole. We're going to, I want to make sure that I take my time with that um, podcast uh, or with that information on this podcast. So look forward to a read up, read ahead, because we're going to have a fantastic conversation and we're just going to theorize and play with the information a little bit. All right. And we're just going to just work with the possibility of it. It's possible that this is true. And if it's possible, what does that mean? So with that, God bless you. Enjoy your day and the rest of your week. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.